We are Gold Ivy. Our mission is to empower you to own and unleash your truth. Stories of resiliency are gold and ivy grows in hard places. Those hard places are what creates space for light to shine through. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. Brooke, what do you think everyone wants more of? Energy. What do you think most people are hoping to come out of 2023 with? Mm, feel more confident, be an example for others, actually have the self-discipline to take care of themselves? Yes, exactly. Because we hear the need for it and we want to help you get in the best shape of your life, we created Move with Gold Ivy, our virtual workout platform. Our dream has been to create accessible, affordable, and effective workouts that you can do anytime, anywhere, designed to hold you accountable and get you the results you need. You can pick any workout you want at any time, but if you do want a plan that alternates muscle groups and leaves your body feeling energized and strong, we have a weekly plan that you can follow to take the guesswork out. It's easy to navigate and packed with all kinds of workouts that will help you strengthen, trim, pump up, tone, energize, de-stress, all of the things we want our body to feel. It's within MOVE. Don't forget to mention the resources we offer. As a member of Move with Gold Ivy, you'll be a part of our exclusive Ivy League community where we share our top wellness resources on things like meal planning, gut health hacks, time management, and more. And because you listen to the Ivy Unleashed podcast, we want to offer you all of this for only $20 a month, cheaper than any monthly membership you'll find. Not only that, you'll get a free trial week to test it out. And if you need more incentive to start prioritizing you, here's our favorite part. Your movement matters. Each month, 10% of your membership will be donated to support the mental health of those in need. So head on over to goldivyhealthcode.com slash move or find the link within the show notes of this episode and sign up today. Stop putting yourself in the back burner. Snag your spot and reap the benefits that you deserve to feel this year. It's your time. Move for your health, move for your confidence, move for your mental clarity, move with Gold Ivy. Welcome back to Ivy Unleashed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today is the episode that you're going to be so happy you tuned in because it is going to be juicy and we are going to be asking all the questions that you're wondering, but you're too afraid to ask. Yes, we are talking about intimacy and sex. So with us today, we have Dr. Jack. Dr. Jack, welcome to Ivy Unleashed. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to be having this conversation with you, Brooke and Andrea. Oh, love it. I love it so much because it's so interesting to follow someone that you just feel like is so courageous to step into onto social media, talking about sex and all of these things that we're all wondering, we all want to work on. We're all in different stages of our life, whether you're single, you're married, you've had a partner forever, you just started dating, you are struggling to have a baby, you have three kids. Like, So I feel like everybody can take your advice. Everybody can use sex tips. Everybody wants more intimacy and love and excitement. And so today is going to be awesome. And we're so happy you're here. Thank you. Let's talk about how you got in this space. Because like Andrea said, it is very courageous and you are rocking the space. And we were so happy that we found you and that we're here today. But let's kind of take it back to how you got to where you are for our listeners. Yeah. So I think that I'm just a classic example of someone who took their pain and turned it into purpose. Mm. 
Um, so I am trained as a clinical psychologist. Um, and so I still do a lot of couples therapy and that's really where my heart is. Um, but what I experienced back in 2019 led me to the intimacy and relationship coaching space. And that happened after I experienced a miscarriage. So just a little bit of information about me. I'm a military spouse um, and I'm in a long distance relationship. And prior to being in a long distance relationship, my partner and I were really trying to get pregnant. And we finally did. Um, and then I experienced a miscarriage several weeks after. And and we were devastated um, and since then have been going on a fertility journey. And throughout that process, we were already in couples therapy because I was seeking support, you know, to work through the grief and, you know, figure out what was going on for, you know, us being able to have a long distance relationship soon. But what I found, which is really, really common in therapy, is that the conversations weren't really going deeper when it came to what was going on with our intimacy and sex life. And I'm very transparent about sharing that I have always been someone who has had a pretty, you know, high libido. Um, my desire for sex is something that I've never really struggled with. But after experiencing that miscarriage, my body completely changed. It completely shifted. Libido and drive was not there at all. And it became really hard to be connected to my body. I also felt scared to get pregnant again, to be really transparent. And that experience was really, really hard for our marriage. And I was determined to fix it. I was determined to try to figure out together how we could move to a different place. And, you know, just a little bit professionally about me, like I mentioned, I love couples therapy. And as I was training as a psychologist, one of the things that I noticed when I would meet with couples is that when we talked about sex or when we tried to talk about the subject, it was like the elephant in the room, individuals were uncomfortable. Um, and so I wanted to lean towards learning more about that in my process as becoming a psychologist. And so what happened, you kind of put that professional experience together with that personal experience. I wanted to learn more about how someone who had experienced such a tragic loss could really start to get connected to their sexuality again, how they could really have intentional conversations that would bring their relationship to a different place, to a deeper place. And I really wanted to get intentional about exploring my body again. And so I started doing a lot of that work myself because when I looked for resources, everything was external and wasn't really focused on what I feel like is the most important aspect of sex, which is the mind um, and our mindset and how we're thinking about sex and how we view our body. Like our mind is our most important sex organ and the resources available weren't helping me in that way. And so once I did my own work and we worked on our relationship, we had some intentional conversations, we redefined what sex looks like in the present moment for us. And we started trying new things and exploring in new ways and getting curious about one another. Our entire sex life changed. And when I started talking about this to my friends, uh, to my family, you know, people were secretly raising their hands like, can you tell me what you did? <laughs> because it's not necessarily a miscarriage, but, you know, I have three young children and my, you know, my libido is completely shot, you know, or, you know, I lost, you know, a parent and dealing with the grief. It's been really hard to connect with my partner intimately. And so there were different life experiences, different stressors that had come up for a lot of people that I talked to um, that could use a lot of the foundational components that 
I use to help myself in my own relationship. And so I started offering that to, to women, to couples. And that is what started my intimacy and relationship coaching practice. I love that. And I love that you said foundational because I think it's overwhelming to think of having this rockin' sex life when, you know, when you've got three kids and it can feel like a chore. It feels like we should be, but like, oh, like, you know, you become teammates and partners and you got this, I got this, we're tired, we're running around. And so I think there's so much that you said that people can relate to. And it's not always around your relationship. Like you said, it could be around grief of someone outside of your relationship. And I especially think about women and just our minds, like you said, like, mm -hmm. I feel like for, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like women are so much more mental when it comes to orgasms and just getting in the mood compared to men. So how does that work in your kind of couples therapy or with your, your coaching, your intimacy coaching, where the guy, it's like, what's the problem? Like, this is so easy. And the woman's like, we've got to work on this uh, mental component here. How does that work? Yes. Yeah. So I think one piece of that is a lot of times women are carrying around a mental load, mm -hmm. um, meaning that there's a checklist in their mind of things that have to get done, especially if they are caring for children, right? There's this ongoing checklist that never ends and their partner may not necessarily even know about it. And a lot of times it can be so hard to then be present in the moment because your mind is somewhere else. Um, and so getting really present and practicing mindfulness day to day is gonna translate into intimate sexual experiences with your partner significantly. Um, and additionally, it becomes really, really important to not expect sex to be perfect, right? And this is my thing. I am here for it. Like I am here for a night where there's candles burning <laughs> and like you're in front of the fireplace and like you have like this, this beautiful um, throw that's wrapped around your body and you're making love on the floor and there's a beautiful view. Like I am here for that. And I think that we should all like increase romance as we can based on our means and have those experiences. But I think that expecting that every time we connect intimately with our partner, like it has to be fireworks, there has to be this, this perfectionism, I think that that can be what gets us in trouble. A lot of the times I'll hear my clients say like, it's hard for me to get in the mood when there's a laundry basket on the floor, you know? I'm oh, just I am like with that, that lady or man. <laughs> I can't. I just yes. can't. Yes. And I'm like, leave the basket alone, in fact, <laughs> kick it into the closet and, and pull your partner into the bathroom, right? Like, like I think that we can oftentimes stop way too soon and be like, ah, that killed the mood versus just leaning into that desire. Because a lot of times when I'm talking to women, it's not that the desire isn't there. It's just that they've gotten disconnected from it. Mm -hmm. And the fleeting moments that they do experience it, again, instead of paying attention to the desire, they're paying attention to the laundry basket. Mm -hmm. So it's not that it doesn't exist. It's that you're just getting distracted from it. And you're not necessarily returning back to it in a way that with intentionality. Yeah, I love that you said mindfulness because I feel like what it really is in my experience with it is coming home to yourself, like being in your body, your mind and your body are connected where you can notice how good it feels to feel good and to not be worrying about all of these things, but to really put yourself in that moment and think about what it is you want, how you feel like the, the simple things that everyone complicates and those expectations are 
like that's what we're focused on is how it should be, whether it's life, health, sex, like anything. Or how you should look. You know, I know a big barrier is people aren't satisfied with their bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know that's something you talk about. So how does that work kind of when you're, you're not in the space you want with your body and how it looks to help women, especially, or men feel comfortable being that vulnerable when they're not satisfied with where they're, they're at with their bodies. First, I say we got to stop shooting all over ourselves, right? Whether that comes to like our body image or our performance, or I should be having an orgasm, like all of this stuff can tie into the perfectionism aspect. And so what ends up happening is that when we're supposed to be in a place where we're experiencing pleasure in our body, where we're really present, where we're in tune with our sensuality, instead, we are like spectators, right? Which means that we are like spectatoring and we're observing. Like we are not present in the moment, but instead we are almost watching ourselves in a performance Mm -hmm. and we're picking our bodies apart oftentimes during that, especially women. Right. And so I think that oftentimes, even before you get into any type of physical intimate situation, it becomes really important to think about like how you respect and take care of your body from a health aspect and also how you treat it. I think a lot of times we don't show our body a lot of respect the way that we talk to our body, um, that, you know, the, how we fuel our body, how often we exercise our self-care, all of that is going to be combined and it is going to be related to how we show up sexually. So I think that oftentimes body acceptance becomes really important. I think a lot of times, especially as women's particularly age, there's this idea from society that, you know, as we get older, we're not as beautiful, which is total BS. Um, But I think that if we are having those thoughts, that becomes the place of intervention, right? Can we get really honest about how we talk to our body, how we treat it? What are the things that we say, right? What What are our affirmations like? And can we be more kind? Can we be more loving? And can we do the things to take care of our body to get it to a place where we feel like it is showing up for us in the best way? And so I think that those things become really, really important. Yeah. Do you have patients or clients that talk to you about, you know, I think about, I got breastfed all three of my kids for a full year and then I just, my boobs were something else. They were like no longer... A sexual thing. It's just like they turned into like this life source and, mm-hmm. you know, and they change and all of the things. They got really nice for a while. And then, you know, so, you know, how do you work through that when your body has changed through the years and that like being something that created life or nourishment back to like the sexual being? Yeah. So, I get this example all the time. A lot of the clients that I work with um, are moms and they have young ones. Some of them are still breastfeeding. Sometimes they come to sessions breastfeeding. Um, So it is definitely a thing that, you know, your body is going to change and shift, especially after giving birth. And one of the things that I encourage clients to do is one, be able to kind of accept that the changes has have happened. Think about how are you thinking about those changes? Are you projecting them to be negative or positive? Or you are you kind of neutral? Hey, this is what it is. 
And then also recognizing that although your body has changed and shifted, and there may be certain, like, for example, you may have felt really, really comfortable with your boobs. And now maybe that there's some discomfort there. Are there other areas of your body that you can explore that you can feel more comfortable gaining pleasure from that maybe before you hadn't explored, right? And so I often tell women, you know, if you are now feeling a little bit discomfort regarding your breast and how they look and are there other areas of your body that you can explore that maybe you've never tried? And oftentimes there are. And so I think that sometimes we can be really limited regarding how we can experience pleasure and where we can experience pleasure. And if we are feeling, you know, a level of discomfort in a particular area, we have compassion with ourselves. We check our thoughts around that. Um, and we also work towards exploring other areas as well, right? Because we don't want to limit our pleasure because our thoughts are getting in the way. I love that. I love it. I'm hearing radical honesty with yourself, but you also mentioned the communication piece, which we know is so important. So what do you recommend for people who are terrified having that honest conversation with their partner? How does one start that conversation? Yeah. So I think that the conversation starts with self. Um, I'm a huge proponent of that. Um, when it comes to sex and intimacy, I think that a lot of times what happens is that we skip we skip the self-reflection work um, and we jump right to talking to our partner. So I would say step one would be take some time to recognize, like, where's my discomfort lie? Um, you know, what are the thoughts that maybe are getting in my way? You know, how do I truly feel about my body? How is that impacting my pleasure? Like all of these type of questions are going to be really, really important place to start. Because oftentimes, again, it's our own stuff that's coming up. Um, and, and I say that because also as women, we are in a society that has given us so many negative messages about our bodies, about sex and what it means for our pleasure. Um, oftentimes, you know, there's this performative aspect that, you know, we have downloaded as our responsibility. And so I also have a lot of compassion and grace for women when they're when they really start to kind of peel back that onion, they're like, whoa, there's a lot of thoughts here that are impacting me. So I would first say kind of start at that place. Then secondly, I think that it's really important to have regular conversations with your partner around sex. So what happens is a lot of times couples are either avoiding the conversations, period, not ha having them at all, or they're only having them when something goes wrong, right? Um, so, you know, say you're having you know, sex with your partner and your partner loses an erection, then there's like this conversation around like, well, are you still attracted to me? Like, this is something that happens often, right? Um, so I think that when we make those conversations more regular, we get to talk about the stuff that's going great and the stuff that's going well. We also get to talk about the areas that we want to improve um, and we get to give feedback. And so the more regular and normal we can make these conversations, they don't become as uncomfortable um, when it's time to say something hard, either hard about ourselves or hard to our partner um, or challenging to our partner. And so I think that starting to make that a regular practice is really, really important to that conversation piece. And of course, the self-reflection as step, step one. What I love, too, is that if you need help with this, 
Dr. Jack has the answer that can help everybody. So I feel like this is a perfect opportunity. If like, there's so many people that have shame wrapped up around mm-hmm. these conversations. They've, they've not been modeled this. They were never taught this. And so if they would like some help getting this conversation started, can you tell them about your sex formation cards? Yes. Yes. Sex formation cards. Thank you. So I created sex formation cards as a way to work through my own mindset blocks um, and to be very intentional about the conversations that I wanted to have around sex in my own marriage. And I started writing, like I shared with you all, kind of that process that I went through back in 2019. And that was actually the foundation that um, built my coaching practice and is now a part of Sex Formation Cards. So Sex Formation Cards, they're a three-step process. Um, step one is self-reflection. Step two is conversation. And step three is exploration. And these cards help women to build better sexual confidence and to have mind-blowing intimacy Um, And as I mentioned, the brain is really important. And as a psychologist and someone who understands the importance of our mind, I did not want to skip this part. Um, And and oftentimes this is not included in some of the self-reflective sexual wellness work. So step one is going to be reflecting, right? Really looking at what are the scripts or the thoughts that are getting in your way that are impacting your intimacy. Step two is conversation cards. These you can do with a partner or you can do them like with a group of girlfriends that you trust. And they're the perfect way if you're someone who has not had conversations around sex regularly, they're a great tool to start those conversations. A lot of times it's hard to think about, okay, what questions do I even ask? Where do I start? You can look through that part of the deck and pull the cards that are relevant to you. And there's cards that are deep, There's cards that are also really fun. So we talk about positions and, you know, what are your sexual desires and foreplay. But we also talk about like how has, you know, your body image impacted sex and is it hard for you to have conversations around sex? Um, So you get you get a dose of both. And then lastly, there's exploration cards. So there's going to be 10 cards that help you get connected to your body, that mindfulness piece. Right. So there's a mindfulness masturbation practice. Um, There's a lot of just slowing down and really paying attention to your sexual desire, finding it um, and really allowing yourself to lean toward it. How amazing. We've never heard of this. It is so powerful. Like not only sex and intimacy, but also that self-acceptance and love for yourself. It's such a a natural thing that I feel like we've escaped from, gotten away from because of society and not wanting to talk about these things because of, you, like you said, the downloads. So now, I mean, it's what, going to be Valentine's Day? Mm-hmm. It's the perfect time to get these cards, whether you're in a relationship or you're not, whether you're married or you're not, like there's no better time to start having these conversations, these deep reflections than now. So Dr. Jack, where can they find these cards? Yes. So you can go to my website, drjack.co. That's D-R-J-A-C.co slash shop to get sex formation cards. And for your audience, there's 15% off. Um, so yes, use the code GOIVY for 15% off. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Again, that's code GOLDIVY, 15% off. Get your cards. Let us know what you think. I know Andrea and I are going to have some cards shortly on the way here, which mm-hmm. we're so excited about. We'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> too. Amazing. So I kind of want to get back to this idea of body love, because as we know, that's where it starts. 
right? And I think getting over these insecurities and these unwanted thoughts during sex can still be tough. So would you say that first step is like sitting down and getting honest with those insecurities? I know you touched on it briefly, but for someone listening who's like, how do I even start this process of mm-hmm. body acceptance when I have so much trauma and so much hate for myself? Yeah, yeah. So I would definitely say the first part is the self-awareness or the self-reflection. I would say catch those thoughts, check those thoughts and change those thoughts. So the three C's, I love this because you can apply this in so many areas and regarding body image, it is the perfect way to start to really like intervene when those thoughts are coming up. I think a lot of times, a lot of the women that I work with, they've been hating their bodies for years right? They've been telling them, themselves negative messages for years. And maybe that had even be, been modeled to them by, you know, a parent or, you know, a caregiver. And so it really is the only way that they know how to connect with their body and their relationship with their body is just a poor relationship. And so it really does start with just the self-talk um, and recognizing what your thoughts are. Catch them. If you wake up and you look into, into the mirror and the first thing that comes to your mind is, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, you know, my stomach's so big or, you know, my breasts are so saggy. Catch that thought, right? That's step one. Start to kind of build that awareness around what are the things that I'm saying to myself? Write them down. Write them down just so you can be more aware of them, right? Because they're likely patterns. Then you want to start to check them. Is this thought helpful? And is this thought true? So being able to really kind of sit with what comes up for you when you take a moment of self-reflection and then starting to change them. When you look in the mirror, instead of immediately going to, you know, my stomach is big, my breasts are saggy. Can you pay attention to something that feels more neutral to you? Um, For example, an activity that I give a lot of my clients, and this is actually in Sex Formation Card Deck as well, um, is a nude mirror exercise, where for a certain amount of time, you are actually standing in front of the mirror purposefully um, for, you know, an extended amount of time. Usually we start with like five minutes and you're just paying attention to your body. You're spending time with it. You're recognizing what are the thoughts that are coming up? What are the emotions that those thoughts bring up for you? And Over time, and again, with exposure, the more that you do this, oftentimes the better you become at starting to pay attention to the things that you do like, because you're intentionally focused on those areas over time, right? So you may come in and say, okay, let me, let me just see what comes up. Day one, day two, let me focus on one thing that I like. Day two, let me focus on two things that I like, right? And so I think oftentimes women will avoid their bodies in that way, or they will just be really, really negative. And so this type of work allows you to kind of rewire some of those pathways that have been built in the brain that automatically go to the negative thinking. That's so powerful. I'm glad you gave that exercise too, because I think it really speaks to the importance of how can you have an awesome sex life and obsess with that if you're not obsessed with yourself, if you don't have that self-love First, how do you expect to to love your relationship or anyone else? Like it all starts with you, with your mind. And I hope this empowers people that, okay, I can do something about it. If it starts from within, what do I need to check here? So say they're working on the relationship with themselves. They feel confident and now they're ready to really get into some electrifying sex. Let's start talking about some juice. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> what are some courageous steps for getting there? Yeah. So one of the things that I love to do with clients is encourage them to think outside of the box. I say this because a lot of times we have kind of pigeonholed ourselves into sex being a certain thing when it can be so many things, right? For example, it doesn't have to be intercourse. It doesn't have to be oral. Like it can be so many things. And so I think that really stopping and thinking about like what feels pleasurable to me is a really great place to start. Because again, I think especially for women, our pleasure is not necessarily a priority in terms of how we have learned about sex. And so I think that that is one of the best places to start and get really curious about what you are open to trying. What are your desires? What are your fantasies? I think sometimes we don't slow down enough to really ask ourselves some of these questions. And so, for example, one exercise that I do with couples is have them take out a sheet of paper um, and write down like, okay, what are the things that you're open to trying sexually that you maybe have never tried before, but there's some interest there, right? What are some things that maybe you want to get back to doing that you stopped doing years ago? You don't just you don't do it anymore. And then just what are the things that for you it's a no go, right? <laughs> so you get to create your sexual boundaries, but you also get to explore your curiosities. And curiosity is one of those things that keeps that fire um, going and that passion going and creates that electrifying sex. Um, and so oftentimes, even with that simple exercise. There's ideas of novelty. There's things that individuals want to try. Um, there's things that really interest them. And sometimes people will say, I just don't know. And then so then I say, well, start to pay attention. You know, are you watching a certain show? And when a specific scene comes on, you do start to feel a little bit desire. What's happening in that scene that's causing that for you? What about that is turning you on? So again, I think it really does become being, it really does start with being introspective. Um, and asking yourselves a lot of questions to help you get to a place where you then start exploring more. Yeah, the curiosity. That's so fun too. Like it's, if you can look past it being weird or awkward, like I think when you're so in tune with yourself, it helps to look past that because you're like, no, my desires are important. I am worthy of feeling pleasure. And if my significant other loves me, they want me to feel this pleasure. So damn it, I'm going to figure out <laughs> what pleasures me. <laughs> what I keep thinking about though is like this curiosity because it's kind of tricky if if you've only had one partner or a few partners and it's against your you know morals to watch porn, how do you even know what you're capable of experiencing, right? So I love that idea of like when you're watching a movie and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm in the mood all of a sudden. Like, what is that? You know, so I love that tip. And do you have any advice for people that are just really inexperienced and they don't know what they want because they have minimal experience? Yeah, so I think that if you have minimal experience and you're starting to explore, one thing that you can do is just explore your body in general. Where does where do you feel pleasure on your body, right? So again, our body is filled with erogenous zones. So these are going to be areas where we have increased pleasure. So for example, the back of our knee. This is an erogenous zone. Yes. What? So, yeah, we need to yes. talk about this. What? Yes. The back of the knee, the inner thighs, that is an erogenous zone. The scalp is an erogenous zone. Um, you know, behind the ears. So there's all these areas on our body that are not necessarily sexual, but they do allow you to experience pleasure. And 
if you figure out what areas feel particularly good for you, you can then tell a partner, right, when you do start to gain more experience, hey, you know, I really like when someone caresses, you know, my inner thigh or, you know, behind my knee. And so I think that oftentimes we think that we have to have a partner to explore um, and we don't. So we could explore with self-pleasure, right? Or masturbation. But for someone who just morally doesn't feel aligned with that, you can also explore with just pleasure mapping, exploring your body in a way where you are just trying to figure out, okay, does this feel good to me or not? You can also use some temperature play to intensify your senses. So for example, using ice on these erogenous zones or, you know, a warm candle, a more warm massage candle that has warm wax to see, you know, if a warm sensation, it creates pleasure in certain areas. And so again, you're just having data around what feels good to you. And this can be incredibly helpful when you're starting to communicate with a partner about around what it is that you like. So all of this like temperature, these erogenous areas, like if you're to play with this with your partner, that would be technically foreplay, right? Would this be like to warm you up type of thing? Or would like people just do this and then stop? I'm just curious. <laughs> Good question. So when it comes to foreplay in general, I am huge at feeling like every, if, if you are having sex with a partner or partners, everything that you're doing from the last time you had sex to the next time, everything's foreplay. How you talk to one another, the things that you do for one another, how you care for one another, um, how you support each other, like all of that is foreplay, right? But in terms of like the physical touch aspect of it, it can definitely fall in that category. So this can be something that like warms you up and gets you ready for, you know, to have sex, whether that be, you know, penetration, oral sex, whatever you define as sex, right? Um, or it could be something where it's, you're just teasing one another. Hey, tonight, we're just going to explore our, our erogenous zones. And that's it. <laughs> um, and, and the thing that's interesting about that is a lot of times when I'm working with couples, and they're having like, performance related concerns regarding uh, sex, and then I say, okay, all you can do is this pleasure mapping activity, you can't do anything else besides this, they always do more. <laughs> so I think <laughs> I think that it can be an easy way to take the pressure off and just allow a space where you're exploring each other intimately to see what happens. I love this so much. This is Justin's so going to get a calendar invite for... <laughs> you know what's so funny is I say things like, I'll walk in the house and if like, like today, I took the kids to school and I came back, the whole kitchen was clean. I'm like, if there's one thing that's going to get me in the mood, it's this. It is cleaning this house because <laughs> it's just like acts of service. Oh my gosh, yes, which is his love language. Praise the Lord. Um, but it's so true. Like if I were to spend a day and he wasn't proactive taking care of the house as much as me, there is absolutely no chance in hell that anything's going down. And so I think it's, I love what you said that I think a big part of it could be your love language, you know, like speak in my language a little bit more. He's doing things that he knows. But he needs to know what that is. Yeah. I feel like you have that communication mm -hmm. where you, he knows what turns you on and probably vice versa, because how do you know, how can you have that intimacy if you don't even know your partner's pleasure or I guess that, that would be a question too, is like, how do you balance that? Right. If two people have completely different things that excite them. Someone wants to try what the other person might think is wild. How do you 
compromise when it comes to those type of things? Yes, that's such a good question. So I think it starts with having some really, really honest conversations that are rooted in not being judgmental, right? So intimacy is really at the root. We're building trust. So if we share with our partner, like, hey, have you ever thought about going to a sex club? I'm just making something up. And your partner like laughs and is like, that is only for weirdos, right? (laughs) What's going to happen is that there might be a part of yourself sexually that was actually interested maybe in just talking about it, right? Maybe it's a fantasy of yours. Maybe you didn't even necessarily want to go and do it, but it was a fantasy of yours. Your partner has just shut that down. And so I think that being really, really open and curious about what it is that your partner is interested in is key because a lot of times um, individuals have fantasies that sexually turn them on, but they may not even necessarily want to do them in real life, right? Given the opportunity. Um, And so also keeping in mind how important our brain is when it comes to sex, we can imagine doing something and it can be a huge turn on, right? Um, I mean, porn, you're watching it, you're not engaged, you're not there. For a lot of people, you know, that turns them on, whether it be, you know, they're watching porn or audio porn. So our brain is really, really powerful. Um, Storytelling is really powerful. And so I think that in terms of figuring out that compatibility and that compromise, being asking your partner why it is that they're interested in that and then figuring out for yourself, okay, is this something that I'm willing to try? And if not, is there a way that I can maybe lean a little closer to that, but not necessarily engage? So for example, if you're like, okay, I'm absolutely not going to a sex party, But what we can do one day is we can pretend like we're in one and, you know, we can put the music on. We can kind of get the house situated where it kind of looks like there's a party Mm -hmm. and we can role play that and see where and see how that feels. Right. And so that then becomes a compromise versus like you're a total weirdo. No one wants to hear that when they're expressing, you know, their sexual wants, desires or fantasies. Yeah, Yeah. That level of respect. Mm hmm. I keep thinking too about how you evolve as a person. So your sexual desires are going to evolve and just how important that communication piece is. It's like, you could say it a million times, but it doesn't mean it's easy. It's Mm -hmm. like anything else, like, and you have to want to put in the work, right? Like something I keep thinking about too is, are you Mm -hmm. not attracted to them? Like, is there no desire because you're just not attracted to them or do you need to do some deep work and want to get attracted to them? Like, have you ever had those scenarios where clients come in and they're like, I want to be attracted, but I'm just not, or their husband or wife's bodies have changed. Like, or, you know, they're not taking care of themselves. Like what, yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. So that oftentimes is not what I see. Um, what, What I see often is one partner saying their body looks great. Like I, I want to jump their bones every time I see them. And they have personal insecurities around how their body has changed. Um, So I'm not saying that it doesn't happen on the other, you know, the other way around, but I oftentimes don't see that. A lot of clients that are coming to me usually are, you know, very respectful of their partner's body, even if it has gone through changes. But I think that what I do particularly is help them to encourage their partner 
and to, for example, if their partner maybe needs more compliments um, or, you know, needs just a little bit more love around, you know, their body in order to feel more secure, kind of helping them and coaching them along helping their partner get to a place of acceptance and love. And sometimes, again, that is an individual journey, but your partner affirming you on that journey can mean the world of difference. And so I oftentimes see that. And then something that you said, Brooke, regarding uh, compatibility, I wanted to just highlight. I think sometimes when it comes to sex compatibility, individuals can think, oh, well, you know, I don't think we're having sex enough or, you know, we're not having sex as much as I would want. Um, or, you know, the positions that we're, that we're doing are just not necessarily feeling that good or it used to look this way and now it looks this way. So maybe we're not sexually compatible. In my opinion, none of that has a lot to do with sexual compatibility. It really is. And the research literature shows this. It is one's willingness to work at creating a better sex life together. That's what makes you compatible. And so if both parties are like, hey, let's show up and work at this. Um, let's get it to a different place together. You have sexual compatibility. It's when there's not a willingness to come together to work on it, where there may be incompatibility. So I also just like to highlight that because I think that sometimes people can get into a, a phase of life where sex just feels like we're missing each other. And I want to normalize that because it is so normal. And there's a lot of shame that comes with that. Um, and so I think it's really important for me to just to note that most couples go through that, where you just go through phases of life where you're missing one another doesn't mean you're not compatible, but it may mean that if you all want to get to a space where you're feeling back aligned, that you work on it together. Yeah, the want and the desire. It's tricky. I always think too about frequency because mm -hmm. some people like do it all the time and some people hardly ever do it. It's like, how often and you, you compare because you you're compare, like talking to yeah. your girlfriends about it. Yeah. So what's kind of normal for frequency with how often you should be having sex if you're in a like, committed relationship? Yes. So what I will say is don't shit on the frequency. Right? <laughs> because, and the thing, the reason why I say that is we can get, we, I get this question all the time. Am I having sex enough? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, does, does it feel like it's enough for you? That truly is, I, I know couples that have sex twice a year um, and are completely fine with that. I also know couples that have sex every single day and are completely fine with that. And so if you are someone who falls in the middle of those two spectrums, you are absolutely fine. But it just really is about, does it feel like it's enough for you? Do you feel satisfied in the frequency? Are both of you all aligned on how often you're having sex? So those are the questions that I would ask. And then if the answer is no, okay, well, you can actually talk about frequency and talk about what feels good for you and getting to a flow for your relationship that feels really, really good. Um, there, there's a frequency card, actually a sex formation card that helps um, individuals to kind of process that. But I will say on average, Usually about once a week is average for long-term monogamous relationships. But again, some people are more than that. Some people are less than that. And what I will say about frequency is I think it's so much more important to be having sex that's worth wanting mm. versus just having sex to kind of check it off to say, okay, we had sex this week, right? So there's people having sex every day that don't really like it. Um, and so 
I think that frequency sometimes gets overblown um, as an important marker on how your sex life is going. Um, and I don't think it's the most important thing. I think that quality of sex and sex that you want to have again um, is much more important than just having sex. Oh, that's so a, powerful. That's a new goal. Have <laughs> sex worth wanting. Quality sex greater than great. Oh, Dr. Jack, that is gold. I love that. But something I hear with my friends, right, that live with their significant others, I'm sure Andrew can relate to this. Like, I don't live with my significant other. So it is fun. We don't see each other every single day. But eventually, for a lot of people, it does become a chore of, okay, our schedules are busy. We have to align our schedules. Like, it becomes a to-do item. And I think the spontaneity of it is what's exciting and, and pleasurable and it's, you know, in a sense too. So how do you make it not just a calendar invite? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so I will say this. I am down for the calendar invite. Okay, same. Because you, you can get, <laughs> listen, you can get so creative, like fun time tonight. Like it doesn't have to be like sex at 6 p.m., right? <laughs> I think so... Let me back up here because I Brooke's love like it just needs to be done by nine. No, but <laughs> yes, but like my type A is like that would turn me on. Is like it is scheduled. I can, I I know when it's coming, but also mm. not. I feel like it depends. I don't know. Okay, say what you're. Did you say. say coming? Just, to, <laughs> just <laughs> unintended, right? No, I will say this. I think that it, this isn't even just what I think. This is what research has shown. Couples who are together for long-term, who report having sexually satisfying lives, report that they do so because they prioritize it, right? AKA scheduling. There's some scheduling that's happening. And the more busy that we become in life, you know, the more important it becomes to put it on our schedule. The way that you can have fun with this is, again, you don't have to say, you know, 6 p.m. to 6.30, we're having sex. It doesn't have to be that structured unless, you know, that's that's what turns you on. Um, but what I do think is important is to create space for intimacy. So if it does happen, you have time for it to happen. There's so many couples that I meet that are like, it's been two months and we want to have sex, but literally like every night we're either dead tired, like we're missing each other um, in terms of like, you know, I'm out the house, you know, you know, my partner just came in the house. Like I got to go to bed early. There's just schedules can not necessarily be helpful to us. They can be hurtful to our relationship in terms of how busy one person's schedule is compared to the other person's. And so into to get in sync linking those schedules, carving out like, okay, we're going to go on a date night and we're just going to have like intimacy on our calendar Saturday at, you know, 8 p.m. until, you know, it's not necessarily saying like we're putting sex on the calendar, but you're carving out time to be intimately connected with one another and you are, you're carving the space for sex to happen. A lot of times people get so busy that there's no time for sex to happen. And so I think that if you look at it that way, it doesn't feel as much like a chore. It actually can be something that you're then looking forward to, right? Because it's not like you're going to bed and your partner's grabbing your butt and like, hey, do you want to do it tonight? And you have to wake up in four hours, you know, where again, you've missed each other, but it's like you have time to prepare. You can you can wake up. If, you, if you're into shaving your legs, you can shave your legs. Maybe you put on, you know, some perfume that you really, really like. Like all day, you're able to 
pay a little bit more attention to your own personal desire. And you all can actually build foreplay during the day. I can't wait to see you tonight. Man, remember the last time that we went to this restaurant and what happened on the car ride home? Like <laughs> These are things that you that do not make it boring. So I think this idea that scheduling sex is like this checklist thing, we need to do a better job of kind of creating those spaces that don't feel as rigid. Yeah, I love that shift. It's, again, what do we believe that time is being used for? Like our mindset around the scheduling it in. You know, are you viewing it as a chore? Are you viewing it as, as it? Or are you viewing it as, nope, this is me prioritizing intimacy with my partner because it's extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. And something I keep thinking about too, and I've been here before, especially with having kids that a lot of times it feels like on the woman, like one more thing I have to do for somebody. I like, I've touched out. My kid's been hanging on me, kissing on me. I have to hold them. I have to carry them. And then, then you want my body too. Like I'm done. And then it feels like, it feels like your chore. Like sometimes it's not even like we really should. Mm -hmm. Like there, there's been times and chapters in my life where it's been like, I owe you this now, you know? And it's, I think of your like sexual scripts too of like, that's definitely something I was saying to myself. That is not something my husband was saying at all. You know, he's just like, I, love your body and you and mm-hmm. I want to touch it all the time and you're like bro I'm tired <laughs> like touch me and like my hair is gonna go turn on fire so <laughs> how do you kind of address that where it's like like the woman is just feeling like I have I, nothing to give yes like it's just one more thing that it's expected of my body to give mm-hmm. yeah and you know um Andrea thank you so much for sharing that because I think so many women can relate to what you just said. And one of the most common sexual scripts for women is that sex is not for my pleasure, Mm -hmm. right? So again, thinking back to the importance of mindset, if we have the mindset block that sex is not for our pleasure, it's likely going to feel like a chore. It's likely going to feel like something that we're doing for somebody else. And so our work in terms of what we can control is, is this thought really true? right? Thinking about from a health aspect, I know you all, you know, are health coaches, all of the benefits of sex, it decreases your blood pressure, it makes you sleep better, it decreases anxiety, depression, like there are, it decreases stress, right? Um, It makes you feel more intimately connected to your partner. There's so many benefits. And I think that sometimes we can lose sight of that. Because again, this script um, has been something that we've downloaded, and we downloaded it for good reason. We're in a society that makes it feel that way. And so I think that really being able to rewrite that thought for ourselves and start to really recognize, hey, I'm deserving of pleasure. You know, sex is something that is good for my body. Sex is something that makes me feel more connected to my partner. Like start to really check those thoughts. It can be a game changer in terms of how you're showing up in those moments. Um, And automatically your thought won't go to, you know, one other thing I have to do for someone else because you start to kind of recognize the benefits for self. Go get that pleasure, honey. Come on. <sighs> I need you at your best. Jack, you are just, <laughs> oh, I love everything that you're saying. And I just, I'm so happy you're talking about it because it's what everybody I feel like needs to hear in all different ways, in all different seasons, all different ages, types of relationships. I feel like, and it's, I love too that you're the one 
speaking because you're a psychologist, right? So I think, you know, there's people that have interests in, in sex or they're sex coaches, but like to also have this deeper understanding of how our brain works and the health benefits, it's just, it's just pure magic. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so curious about you getting to sit in the seat you get to sit in and getting to hear these conversations and see like what people write down on what they want to try, but you get some cool ideas on what you want to do or try. But I'm really curious about how you've seen these intimacy discussions liberate people from their beliefs and the shame involved with sex and intimacy. Yeah. So it is so transformative um, to a lot of especially women uh, that I work with. And I say women specifically because a lot of times, you know, women are holding more of these scripts that are just impacting their ability to experience pleasure. And so, for example, you know, there's several women that I've worked with that when I started asking more questions and when we really started getting into the coaching work foundationally, they had a negative view of their genitals, right, which was holding them back from experiencing pleasure. And so over the course of our work, one of the things that I would do is help them with exposure work. Like there's clients that I've worked with who have multiple kids who have never really like taken a mirror and, and looked at their vulva. Um, and so that work was so transformative because they started out literally with the thought that, you know, my vulva is repulsive. It's disgusting um, and move to a place of, you know, my vulva created life. My vulva is beautiful. And so to be able to help, you know, women go from point A to point B and then also to be able to be in the receivership of pleasure. I think a lot of times women are so comfortable with the performative aspect of sex, but then for to be able to have a client get to a place where they're able to receive without having those negative thoughts about what their vulva looks like or what it smells like or any of that um, and just really get present in the moment and have shifted their thoughts. I think that just gives an example of, you know, how individuals can walk away from an experience like this with a totally different mindset about how it is that they view their body and their sexual liberation. That's powerful. So powerful. And we're so grateful that you are doing this work, that you are liberating these people. The transformative work that you are doing is changing lives. And I know a lot of women listening to this can resonate with this conversation. So if they want to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can visit me on my website, which is drjack.co. That's D-R-J-A-C.co. I am also very active on Instagram. That's how we connected. Um, and my Instagram handle is at drjackphd. That's D-R-J-A-C-P-H-D. I'm also um, over on TikTok with the same handle as well, doing some fun things over there. Um, and additionally, if anyone you know has a question for me, you can reach me via email at hello at drjack.co. Um, and I would love for you to, you know, check out my website. I have on there a, a guide that has five ways to have better sex. So that's a free resource for you. Some of the things we talked about um, here today, like mindfulness um, and fantasy, but there's, there's a lot of goodies on there um, that, you know, you can start implementing uh, really, really quickly into your relationship. So go grab my guide that will put you on my email list so you can stay in contact with me. Um, And again, check out sex formation cards. If you are listening to this conversation 
and you feel that you don't know where to start, but you're like, I probably need to focus on my sexual self-care in 2023. Sexformation cards are a wonderful guide to help you through that process. And there's practical steps that you can follow to help you. And, you know, I'm guiding you along the way um, in that process. And if you're interested in coaching, uh, definitely reach out to me. I do one-on-one work as well as work with couples. Love it. So many ways to get connected, to feel supported, to start making changes, to feel liberated in 2023. There's no better time than now. This is the year. This is the year, baby. (laughs) So we'll link all of that information in our show notes so you can be sure to reach her. And I was thinking too, that if you have a friend that you know would never purchase these, but could probably (laughs) use them, it could be a good birthday present or like just like a secret little gift you drop off or like, you know, it could be a gift for someone you know that really struggles with this. I have a lot of friends, even myself struggle with like being totally open and vulnerable about sex and intimacy. It's just, it's really personal. And like we've talked about, there's all these shame stories involved with religion and family and past traumas and things that people have to deal with. And so I think too, this could be a great gift for a friend or family member that you feel like could use like a little nudge in this direction. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to bring these cards to my next girl's night. Screw the games. (laughs) This is what we're playing with. I love it. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, let's jump into the three gold stars. So Dr. Jack, these are the three takeaways you'd like to give our listeners. So my three gold stars are going to be the way that I have structured sex formation card deck. And a lot of this conversation that we had today has, you know, focused on these three areas that I feel like are super important to help build sexual confidence and are really important to intimacy. One is going to be self-reflection. We have to start with stopping and examining our thoughts in order to have more satisfying sex and intimacy. Two is going to be conversation. So conversation like what we're having today, talking with friends, talking with your partner, that is going to be really, really helpful. And then third, exploration or exploring. That's going to be really important. Do you know your body? We talked about pleasure mapping and temperature play um, and just body exploration. And I think a lot of times we're not curious enough about what it is that we like. So being open to exploring that is going to be really important. Beautiful. (laughs) Okay. And next up is Unleashing Ivy. So these are our three rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I'll go first. I am curious, just with all the people you've worked with, just different ideas of like aphrodisiacs, things that like get you in the mood that are pretty successful for anybody under the sun. Masturbation. Final answer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think that's that's usually going to be a winner. Um, Yeah. As simple as that sounds, starting with self-pleasure. Okay. And what if... What if that's against your morals? If that is against your morals, I would say verbal seduction. Oh, I would say verbal seduction. So with your partner, you can use language to intensify um, the sexual experience and to create eroticism. And so asking your partner, like, what do you want me to do to you? And listening to their answer like that oftentimes, that's why audio porn is such a big thing. Um, But you can create that foundational uh, connection in your own relationship as well. 
Love that. Okay, my question goes back to self-pleasure because clearly I'm getting from this conversation that it is important. So for someone who's like, I've never done it before, eh, how do I start? What do you say to them? Really good question. So I would say start with getting some lube. If you are a Volvo owner, you definitely want to use lube, right? Don't want to go in there and rough anything up. (laughs) Um, So I would say start with that. Um, A nice water-based lube. Um, And I would say, you know, go to a toy store or go online and look around and see what you like, right? Everyone's going to be a little bit different. Um, Oftentimes, and I'm speaking specifically to Volvo owners here, a nice introduction toy is oftentimes something that's going to stimulate your clitoris versus something that you're going to use for penetration. So again, most women are going to likely going to have an orgasm It's going to be more likely if there's clitoral stimulation that they're experiencing, not just penetration. So thinking about that when you're going to find a toy is going to be important. Um, So there's lots of um, clitoral stimulators on the market. So I would find something um, that doesn't feel intimidating to you. um, And I would read the instructions and I would use lube. I would make sure you clean it off before using it. um, And I would have fun. And I would set also set the scene. That's another thing that I think is really important, especially um, for, you know, people who really, you know, feel sexual when it comes to, you know, the romance of things like light some candles, turn some music on, you know, like have clean sheets on your bed. You know, you can set the scene for yourself um, in the name of self-love and self-exploration. That's such a good tip. I love, oh, and I love too. They just have so many resources for anything like any, any way someone would want to get started. Something I, I saw today on real, it was probably because I was liking your stuff that we got a reel that came through that this other sex therapist was saying that some people put like, they have a blanket. That's like the signal that I'm like DTF tonight, that if you put it on the bed, then your husband or wife knows like I'm, I'm down, I'm down to make this happen. And then Mm -hmm. if you have like kids, you can easily like use that blanket have a quickie and then throw it in the washing machine and the kids would never know. And I was like, that's brilliant. When you don't have a lot of time, you don't have, you can't really talk or like try and seduce your husband because your kids are everywhere. (laughs) I was like, that's a pretty good tip. There's always ways to work with it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And our last question, Dr. Jack, is what is one thing you wish you knew sooner? Oh, this is a good question. One thing I wish I knew sooner that I'm worthy. Yeah, I think I spent a lot of time when I was in my teenage years, feeling really unworthy. And I wish I would have known that sooner. Beautiful. I love it. Such a good one. Uh, Okay, well, we hate to see you go, but we are so, so grateful for your time, for your expertise, for just you being you. We couldn't have imagined a better person to sit down and talk to about such just a you know, what some people think is an icky topic, it's sensitive, it's uncomfy, and to release that stigma of, no, this is you deserving and being worthy of feeling good. To break that stigma is so important. So Mm -hmm. thank you for being with us. 
Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yay. I know. I had a blast. This was so much fun. And I I think, too, that I feel like I've known you for a really long time. You have such a warm presence. So it just speaks to me that like you are doing what you should be doing. Like you said, you're turning your pain into your purpose and having fun with it and becoming someone that people can really lean on when they're struggling. Because like Brooke said, this is a tough thing to talk about if you've never done it. So thank you for being you and for putting this beautiful work into the world. Thank you so much. Pleasure is all ours. <laughs> I, really, I really just wanted to say that pleasure. Um, <laughs> okay. Lastly, Dr. Jack, we leave our listeners with a piece of gold. Would you please share yours with us? Yes. So I say this often, and I think that what just happened here in this last hour, I think is proof, proof of that. Um, but conversation is liberation when it comes to sex. And so I thank you all for creating this conversation, helping to create this conversation. And I encourage the listeners to continue what has been started here. You know, the more that we talk about sex, the less taboo it becomes. And I think that we all individually have some responsibility to change the narrative. And so I just encourage individuals to take what they heard here today and talk to somebody about it in the name of liberation. This is Gold Ivy signing off. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold. 